Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com. You're probably already there. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song with his wife, Sarah, that you just heard. He's going to sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio, and Vilmos works on JackieCation.com the website. There are many ways to support the show. The Amazon link is one. You can use an Amazon link from JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com to go to Amazon. You order like normal and it supports the show. There is a straight up donation button, PayPal or Venmo to this uh, email address that is mine, Jackie at JackieCation.com, where you can just donate to the show if you like the show a lot. I think PayPal has figured out a way to do a monthly. If you want to go monthly, please do. Other ways to support the show if you want to is you can buy merch. There's Dork Forest t-shirts and all the shirts are union made here in America. So they run a little big. Union Bayside. So if you want to look up their size chart. And then the other merch is my stand-up merch. On JackieCation.com, you can watch me do stand-up. You can look at my schedule and the stand-up merch, a couple of different t-shirts, couple of different enamel pins, and all my CDs and my DVD. If you want to live stream my DVD, it's over there at ComedyFilmNerds.com. They have a live streaming capability, or you can get a hard copy of the DVD on my website. Oh, there are premium episodes at Bandcamp. TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com has probably 10 episodes that were done live. They cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I charge you a couple of bucks. If you've run out of regular episodes, go over to TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com and get some more. Other than that, I say this. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room. I am here with a friend of Carmen Morales's. So we've never met, but you, uh, let's first of all, <laughs> is it Balaker? It is. All right, Matt Balaker. Why didn't I ask before we started recording? <laughs> because that's what I'm like. Uh, so uh, you are a huge fan of Greg Giraldo's. Yeah. And she was like, it's to the point of dorkiness, is what Carmen said. <laughs> and I was like, calm down. It's You can, you can be a fan. Karen Kilgariff once t- one time did a uh, podcast... Uh, a lot about Sandra Bullock, mm-hmm. but it weeded off because there's only so much about one person really you can stalk or stan or whatever right. the current version of that word is. And um, so, but you have written a book, just so people know. Yeah, I think if you spend five years on a book about one guy, you can definitely call yourself a dork <laughs> to, to, to the subject. Right. So, one of my dorkdoms is definitely Greg Giraldo or Greg Giraldo Studies. Right, uh, Greg Giraldo Studies. Uh, the Greg Giraldo, a comedian story by you, Matt Balker, and a guy named Wayne Jones, clearly a friend. Uh, he is now. He, he's right. He's a, oh, at the it, time, it was. I, we're actually enemies at first. No, um, uh, the starter from a Kickstarter campaign, and Wayne oh. is in uh, Northeast Canada. Okay. And so through the power of Kickstarter, we met, and he's an academic librarian and an author. So he added a whole new level of dorkiness, especially when it came to endnotes and and documenting all our sources. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Well, so, oh, oh, by the way, so if you want to find Matt online, it's obviously, it's greggeraldobook.com, and then it's at greggeraldobook on all the things, Twitter, Instagram, all the things. That's and true. Geraldo is G-I-R-A-L-D-O. Uh, Geraldo. Uh, 
So, and you're Balaker, B-A-L-A-K-E-R. You're Matt so Balaker. good. Sure. Let's let's get it out of the way because because um, the thing is is we can talk about Greg, but I love the additional list of dorkdoms that you sent. That was always <laughs> fun for me, and because uh, Greg Geraldo. Yeah, let's. Uh, so, what brought you? I mean, you're not. You're younger than he would be. I am. Yes. <laughs> so, were you like 11, and you're like, I fell in love with him because he's so <laughs> fucking funny. I what happened? I wasn't quite 11. I was in my early 20s when. Okay. When tough crowd. Uh, with, it was with, tough crowd, was it? It was tough. Actually, before then, Jackie, I, I interned briefly at uh, Conan O'Brien. Oh. Like around 2000. Oh, did you? And Greg had. I'll call him Greg because sure, I wrote it. So we're, we're on a first name basis. Yeah. Uh, he was doing stand up occasionally on the show. Yeah. And I remember he had this joke about gay muscle. Yeah. That was, it was a different way of doing it. Like, right. The, and it was so funny and yeah. unique. And I remember a lot of the other interns were like, this guy's really good. So that, yeah. that sort of planned the seed for my interest in him. Oh, fair enough. So it was in early, in like 2000 ish. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, I met him. I worked with him twice uh, in uh, the '90s, back in the '90s. Back in the '90s, yeah. And uh, so, always, always delightful to work with. Uh, and where did to you watch. work with him? Um, at the Knuckleheads at the Mall of America in Minneapolis. Minnesota? Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So two, I think it was both times were there, and um, I don't know when did he pass? When did he die? Uh, he, on uh, t- uh, 2009. 2009. Oh, sorry, sorry, 2010. Uh, 10. September 2010. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So it was, I believe it was in like the late 90s and then it was in the early 2000s that I worked with him. So because Knuckleheads was, uh, it's a large venue mm-hmm. and it still is. It's a house of comedy, seats like 450. Too big. Anyway, but uh, the, yeah. So, okay. So you got to meet him on Conan? I didn't mean I watched him. I, I met him in California a couple times, and by me it was like I bought his CD, shook his hand, and t- I oh, told there you him, go. "Thank you very much." Literally, for coming yeah, yes. <laughs> I, that's like, how I on met- to the next person. Exactly. I met Don Rickles like that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a chance to roast you during. No, it? no, it's a, we didn't have a. I may I had just enough time for me to make him uncomfortable <laughs> uh, for how much I was like, "You're Don Rickles, very comparable." I met George Wallace a couple of years ago. Was nice. also a little intense. Okay. Uh, I got to maybe work on that. It doesn't necessarily, <laughs> nobody needs that. And, uh, but, um, so, so what made you write the book? Quite honestly. I mean, like, did you just end up collecting all of his stuff and S- sort of, uh, I, like, like most comics, uh, I had a day job. Oh, do you do stand up? I, I did. In fact, I, okay, I, Morales, I, why bury the lead? I, I ran, Carmen I Morales. ran a show, um, uh, in West Hollywood on Sunset. Uh, it's okay. called Ball Games Laugh Lounge from 2006 to 2012. Okay. And we had a lot of great comics. Uh, sure. Mostly, mostly West Coast guys. And and like Greg Fitzsimmons, he was kind of like East Coast, West Coast. He Geraldo was always a guy. 2006 to 2012. I was here. Why didn't I do that? I think gig? you tried. And, and okay. you're like, oh, I get zero money and maybe 10 minutes. And But I would have given you a free drink, uh, Jackie. Well, that's, the- that's what it in 2006, I was definitely driving to West Hollywood, so I must not have known about it. Which is well, it's too bad because we would have loved to have you. Yeah, yeah, would have been. I think we had Lori Kilmartin, like a lot of a lot of your the my people co- you perform with. Yeah, sure. They, they were the Fitz dog, sure. And and so, you know, I, I as a performer, that was a good way to get stage time because mm-hmm. you know you you kind of offer other people spots and they they put you onto rooms, but. Uh, Every now and again, Greg Geraldo would come to town, and it was always my goal to get him on my stupid show. Right, right. And uh, he didn't do it, but I think one time he got back to me and was, was very cool about it. Oh, that's cool. And, and 
he was a guy this was kind of the when social media was just beginning and nowadays it seems like we know far too much about everyone right Geraldo was kind of the opposite like I knew he w- went to Harvard Law I knew yeah. he had this addiction issue yep um, but he also did a style of comedy that I think me and, and I mean so many others aspired to be you know like right he was intelligent but approachable yeah a- a- and so I think it was this combination of being a comic, looking up to him. I mean, yeah. he was certainly an idol sure. comedically, but also not knowing a lot about him. So there's a curiosity there. Ooh, a man of mystery. Yeah, it's like, ooh, yes. this forbidden fruit. And then it was. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the mystery was. Uh, as, uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot there. Right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's uh, no, he was he was a good guy. But oh, go ahead. Oh, and, and then when he passed, he was the first uh, public figure that when he died. Uh, I broke down and was just bawling. Oh wow! And, and I was I was a, an a hole because living in L.A. Uh, was there when lots of celebrities died. Right. And, and I remember when I think it was like Michael Jackson or even even earlier. I remember Princess Diana. Right. I, I just didn't get it. Like like I mean, right. I understood like oh, the, the, you might have admired their art or, yeah. or you 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 looked up to what Diana Princess Diana did about like landmines or something. Yeah, right. but, but to actually have this emotional connection, like with someone you did not, I, know. I was like, how phony, how disingenuous is that? And then when it's someone I looked up to, right? I was like, oh, slap in the face. Right, like right. I get it now. Like I I felt like some that's connection real. To him. That's yeah. super real. I mean, I remember as a kid when. Um, I think uh, Jimmy Stewart died or mm-hmm. somebody like that. And my stepmother was Jane and or Elvis and when Elvis died and when John Lennon died, actually much more than Jimmy Stewart because Jimmy Stewart was old. Um, yeah. It was yeah. like, it's sad, like, but it's the natural it's course of events. It's not a career events. cut <laughs> tragically short <laughs> right, when right. Jimmy Stewart He was passed. 97. No, yeah, exactly. Something like that. And then, but when uh, like John Lennon died, it was bananas. I mean, she was just like. And I didn't get it either. And I was, you know, 13 or 14. And I was just like, what's happening? He's a Beatle. Okay. okay. Um, do you even have any Beatles albums? And uh, and she was like, I did. Your oldest brother took them. And I was like, calm down. All right. not. right. I'm sorry I brought it up. And, uh, but yeah, I think that that's a real thing. Because I, I can't remember the first person... I remember being super shocked when Kinnison died. Yeah, and because um, he was the first comic, I I when I first started, it was Bill Kinnison, his brother owned the club, and in so Houston, I, right? Or, or, in or, Madison, Wisconsin, okay. uh, they were. It was it was a it was a bad idea. Anyway, <laughs> they uh, but Bill had this club in Madison, so I got to meet Sam. I think just once or twice as well. Uh, much much like you know, and uh, even though I worked with him. For that week, he didn't. He was drunk and coked up and looking for love and Sam all the wrong places. Greg. Sam, okay. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So, um, but when he died, I, th- I was, I remember being super shocked because I didn't know people. I didn't really know. Uh, like it's weird when when people die. And and he died of a car accident. Wasn't yeah, that, yeah. He was, and he, he was, was apparently sober. I mean, that's supp- right. Supposedly, yeah. he was driving with his new newlywed stripper wife and uh someone has to and um and so you know the thing is 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 i always wonder because i would meet these women that these guys would bring around like bill maher would bring around these just women and you're like who are you that you're hanging out with this dude do you think i mean i never know about the women who date really creepy male comics <laughs> right you're right. just like are, do you think he's funny Who's, you, more, who's more disturbed in this equation? Or are yeah. you just very you interested in cash and prizes? Right. Which 
Every, you know, there are plenty of men and plenty of women who hang out with people for cash and prizes. And I don't begrudge them that, but I was always, conf- I never got to really talk. Like, I would love to talk to any one of the number of hookers that Bill Maher has around him at all times. <laughs> He's like, come on in, he do the podcast. He loves a tiny black woman mm-hmm. and like three of them. And it's very weird. So they're all at work. They're at work. <laughs> He's their job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would love... I would have loved to have talked. I whooped for him one time in 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 uh, San Francisco at Cobb's, and um, and he had this entourage with him, and I wanted. I did, he didn't let me stay in the in the green room. Oh. He was like, "I need this. I I've, need I've this. got other plans." Right, or I he said he just literally he said, "I need this room," hmm. and I was like, "Well, I'll go hang out in the coat rack downstairs. It'll be <laughs> fine." And he didn't even hear me, but. Uh, but he was like, oh, thank you. Uh, so he has knee-jerk reactions to uh, social situations. Interesting. And, but I would have loved to have, while he was on stage, it was an hour 15. It wasn't like I was going to watch it. I watched the first 20. It was fine. Mm-hmm. And um, and then um, my husband came and got me and said, you got to see the last 20. There's trouble. And, uh, and the last trouble was all about how nobody could make him get married. And you're like, Who's who's making you? What's happening? And so I was sort of, he your husband at the time? Or my you husband? Where were you guys married when he? We were married, okay. and he saw Bill Maher, and Bill Maher was doing this whole thing about how nobody could force him to get married. Gotcha. And so he came and got me. So he was like, "This is painful. Uh, I don't understand what he's doing." The first forty wasn't bad, and I said, "No, the first twenty wasn't bad." Anyway, <laughs> so we had that conversation. Anyway, so so how many times did you get to see him live? Two or three times. The, the best time, Jackie, was uh, when he was doing the Insomniac tour. Mm-hmm. By tour, it was like three shows. But right. it was with, with David Tell, Sean Rouse, rest in peace, and uh, Dan oh, wow. Koch. Okay. And that was, I think, the perfect blend of him being healthier, kind of at a good place mentally. Okay. And just peak comedically. That, this was probably, I think it was around 2006. Was okay. When, when that tour happened then i saw him about a year maybe 11 months before he passed in irvine right and it was it was around my birthday and mm-hmm. I, I invited my in-laws my wife pretty much anyone i, I was like right you're like everybody comes see everyone this guy. and, and I, I couldn't have talked him about more i was like he, he's a part of the red sea he'll walk on water <laughs> and he was very he was very good oh good but right he wasn't up to his usual standard but in a way, it didn't matter because I was so excited to see him. But yeah. after doing research and realizing, oh, he was just going through a divorce. He was going through right. all this mental issues. Like Second divorce or? Well, it didn't complete. But okay. yeah, he was married once and divorced. So yeah. he, technically, he never finished the divorce, but they were they were separated. Okay. And so he'd been dating oh, wait. again. So he had had his, his, his current... He had one wife is what you're telling me. He had two wives. His, two, his, okay. first, his starter wife, Jackie, was like... When he was at a very different place, he he just really became a comedian. But when they met, he was a lawyer or law student, right? And uh, actually, before that, but she was a dentist, okay. And so it was a very almost stereotypical, picture perfect two professionals, yeah, from the same neighborhood in Queens, more or less. Well, so sort of okay. And then did they meet in college? They they did meet in college at Columbia, mm-hmm. and uh, then they, less than a year later, they were divorced, and he was like oh, twenty. Wow you know 23 24 at the time so essentially he was he was doing law they'd met in college they'd been dating for several years yeah and then they got married the marriage lasted a year and during that year he started doing stand up more seriously because as you know when you start 
he was an exception where he actually became professional quickly, but you still have to generally have to work something. And, right, and, he, so, and he was but, still working as a lawyer. Yeah, right? some people uh, th- I have met. There's only one other comic who who started headlining within a year of open mic that I saw, and he also started kind of late. Though Greg would have been how old, like 25 or 26? Yeah, yeah. When he started, okay. he was about that because I guess when you finished law school, he he was about 25. Yeah, so yeah. he was about 25 when he when he picked up a mic. Right when he first started. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. He also, but the thing is, is 25, 26 with with the skill level of being a lawyer. Would right. help your stage presence and all these things. Uh, and he was clearly very smart, but um, I went and, and he was pretty good looking. I mean, he had sort of the that sort of Italian good looks. That, that didn't hurt. And, but when you look at some of the pictures from law school, uh, he was kind of doughy. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, you a little, little chubbier. A little chubbier. Oh. Well, I mean, when, when you're when you're sitting at a desk all yeah. day, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not great for the the obliques. No, no, and uh, but uh, but drinking a lot and not eating <laughs> anything. <laughs> that too, right? That'll uh, th- that that'll thin you right up. Drinking four to eight hundred calories of booze, Exi- yeah, it's probably not good for your waistline <laughs> either. Well, I- except for that, you probably pass up before you eat anything and you throw up. That's true. So uh, so that's probably what trimmed him up real nice. There. <laughs> and uh, good for him. Good for him. One of the benefits of over drinking yeah. <laughs> and um yeah that's uh yeah there was only and it's weird i have um you know there's several movies where women comics succeed within a year and it's like this huge thing right. and you're like i've never met a woman comic who's blown up that fast that quick um i don't know there's i mean i i guess that that's not true in the last 15 years i've i've seen mm-hmm. a couple of those but like back in the day like there were just movies about it. it yeah yeah it's just a grind right i mean but there was a guy named dave mordahl who was on the first last comic standing okay. minneapolis yeah. comic uh it had a bromance with uh rick rich voss nice those are the two they yeah. they, they were sort of the the ones they hung out all the time and made fun of dad fan poor thing <laughs> anyway but um the but yeah dave Dave was probably in his early 30s, though, and he started doing stand-up, and he had enough life experience, and he had enough confidence um, that his stuff was funny from the start, and he okay. and his stage presence was great. So I bet you that's what it was with Greg. Yeah, he he was he was a natural. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he definitely got better over time, like sure. any performer. However, in, amongst his peers uh, at the open mic or mm-hmm. the bringer shows, he stood out from the rest. And, the st- and the some of them, Jackie yeah. might have been, he was maybe three years older than than some of them maybe not but he was just had that intelligence and that confidence mm-hmm. and, and i think that pushed him because he was only working as a serious lawyer for not even a year at the big firm and then right. then he kind of st- straggled on just to make money yeah but i think once he got that little taste of performer well, being I, a performer i think he never you let know it go. yeah um, not everybody, but all, some people, it's just that. It's like heroin. Like you try doing stand-up and you're like, oh, this is what I do now. Yeah, what was and your first stand-up memory? Yeah, I mean, you did heroin and then you got on stage? Yeah, or... essentially. I got, it was, <laughs> uh, I've never done heroin, but it was exactly like that. And and it was in 1984, so it wouldn't have been... um, Like, the, blessedly, it was never recorded. Uh, I'm so glad. My... <laughs> <laughs> I, have, uh, I have friends who have them, and I'm just like, put it, on, put it as private, and then right, that'll be right. funny. If you're still doing it 20 years from now, you can post it, and that'll be hilarious. And that'll be fun for everyone. But um, the, 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 I forget, with Greg, so 
So he lived in New York too. He that did. also helped. Yeah, he grew up in Queens. Then, okay. he, then he had a job at Skadden Arps, which is like the Rolls Royce of law firm. I mean, it was like to many, and this was interesting. Like that was a bigger deal. Yeah, you know, among the lawyer community than graduating from Harvard Law. Right. Because I guess Harvard didn't. Skadden wouldn't take just any Harvard grad. You had to be right. There was a certain a, one. right. You had to be a certain kind of Harvard grad. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, that's uh, there's part of it that's a great loss to the law. Uh, <laughs> the fact that he started there, doing there would have been a funny lawyer who yeah, there would have been a very you, you smart, lost out on. Well, the thing is, is I mean, because he always I think like what I really liked about him on Tough Crowds specifically, and I didn't watch the show a lot, is Colin Quinn older than him. Yeah. Okay, so if if uh, like how old would Greg be today? Uh, fifty four. Okay, so and how old is Colin? Like fifty eight? Probably sixty. Okay, I'm guessing, I, I don't know. Five or six years yeah. older. Okay, so um, yeah, because it what I liked about him on Tough Crowd was how he tempered all of the weird, you know, sort of shock jock shit. Well said. Yeah, because he isn't a he wasn't a shock jock no. comic. He had very dark, very shocking premises. He, he could go he, there if he had. He to, went but. there. And but it was never, but it was usually in response to what something they said. He was just sort of uh, stacking on top of it mm-hmm. or riffing off of it. Um, and then if he wrote his own very dark material, it was usually much smarter and right, not kinder, but not as mean. Yeah, right. It wasn't. They just. It didn't come from this. It's sort of like Stanhope in the way that Stanhope does a lot of very misogynistic jokes, but they aren't ever. They don't ever come from this place of hate. That's, it, that's it's such important, a weird. Yeah, well like, said. I've seen old women laugh at Stanhope, mm-hmm. where you're just like, ah, look at that young man who wants to jerk <laughs> off in my face. Isn't that cute? And you're like, how cute is he? And you're adorable. Like, <laughs> such a weirdo. Anyway, but it's um, well, and and that's yeah. strange, yeah, because he tough crowd was like is a perfect element for him because he was very prepared on the show, but then inevitably someone <laughs> would so. would say something. And then his improv skills would come through, right? Right. But it wasn't like he just would wing it. You know, he 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 wouldn't. He had to have an idea what to say, and then I did. I did Tough Crowd it. once, and they give you the topics before, mm-hmm. so there was there was work that could be done if you were willing to do it. <laughs> and it was with the rest of those guys. You know, I think Colin had people writing for him, obviously. Yeah. But everybody else, um, just. You know, we're sort of like, okay, that's the topic. I'm going to look at the, I'll look at an article. Right. And, uh, you know, and it's, yeah, there was, I didn't, it's, it wasn't, I think that Colin Quinn is very funny, mm-hmm. but uh, it isn't, some of those other guys, I didn't, I never yeah. found them funny. So I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not that Jim Norton doesn't have a fascinating story about his life right it's he Very often does yeah. right the guy's a, a disaster of a mm-hmm. human being trying to stay above water <laughs> so that is i mean who doesn't want to watch a two-legged dog fucking dance right i will watch that but it's um it was so interesting and it made sense why geraldo took that gig because it's a gig and it was very popular. And it's consistent work. <laughs> and it was steady work, four fifty an episode. Who doesn't need four hundred and fifty dollars? <laughs> and uh, but the um, but the weird thing is, then he hang then he hangs out with those guys. 
And those guys, to hang out with those guys, I would have to be drunk. You know, <laughs> it was the thing is, is, I mean, they couldn't make me drunk, but they could make me very thirsty uh, just to even be around those fucking dudes. Just because the riffing is is gross, usually. Yeah. You know, like I've hung out with Keith Robinson and Jim Norton and them talking about going down and finding 14-year-old virgins down in South America is inappropriate and hard to continue to eat your eggs while you're trying like, I just got to, an omelet. Can you, right, it's, I'm, I'm can you wait till I'm finished? I'm trying to eat over I'm here. I'm going to put Tabasco could, sauce on right. it. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing Geraldo ever said to me was, oh, I'm in between cheating on my wife right now. Oh. Uh, and that was the first time I met him because he was trying desperately to stay sober. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're like, okay, Uh Weird. And it wasn't sticky? No, he was trying to be funny, but he wasn't kidding, right? I mean, he's just riffing. He was literally, he was, it was the first time I worked with him. I didn't hang out with him much the second time because I loved his Mm stand-up. But I couldn't hang out with him because it was too sad. Because he's genuinely, I can't fix him. Right. Right? Right. And... You're broken. <laughs> You're and you can't fix yourself. You and and uh, so when did you know that he was broken? Because he was. Uh, it was a Tuesday through Sunday. Okay. So I knew. <laughs> oh, okay. I knew by Thursday or Friday. Because some he did a good job of hiding. Like I mean, we interviewed around seventy people. Right. Some like you knew right away. It, it also depends how they met. Yeah. But like his lawyer friends or his, his like non-comedy friends, like you know, I. He was very sober around me, and sure. Well, and the thing is, is he was sober the first week I met him, and um, and so, but he, he re- and I don't think I was, okay. and so he just wanted to sit around and shoot the breeze, and and I was featuring for him, and he was bored, and it was you know you're on the road, and so we hung out a bunch, and so but we didn't, you know I'm. Uh, I wasn't sleep with the headliner feature, right? That wasn't <laughs> Good my. For you. Why that not? wasn't my jam. <laughs> that wasn't, um, well, that were, wasn't in your rider. Yeah. Well, there were some headliners I wanted to sleep with. <laughs> he wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. I think I've realized recently that the headliners I want to sleep with, uh, I'm funnier than them. <laughs> Geraldo, I don't think I was funnier than him. He was funnier than I. So was. that turned you off. You're it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't get like, excited. Much like most male comics uh, who don't want to sleep with women who are funnier than they are, <laughs> I couldn't face it. I was like, nah, he's going to be funnier it, it, than it I. It hits him right in the insecurity. Yeah. Why don't I? Why don't I just watch him do stand up and, and like him as a friend? And then that's uh, a good choice. But this guy, who is very like, there were guys who were super funny. And are very, very funny, but uh, but I think of myself as funnier than they mm-hmm. are, just because my ego is as big as their ego. Sure. Uh, so they would probably think that they're funnier than I am, but I like them enough to sleep with them, but we know, I never slept with them either, gotcha. because um, either I was funnier than they were in their mind, they're like, why bother? Uh, that's just going to uh, get, what if I enjoy it? So and, that's the analysis before getting in the sack. They're like, uh, How, how'd you close to the comic? <laughs> <laughs> In the nineties and the eighties, I have to say yes. It was not. It's not the greatest. It wasn't, it wasn't the eyes or the chest or, or the, no, it, it the way he made you feel. The physical <laughs> attributes. It was entirely. Was uh, he a good medical. listener? Yeah. Well, it was entirely intellectual, and um, like because you know, the guys were handsome or good looking, and mm-hmm. made more so by being funny. It was just uh, whatever it was, but uh, yeah, but, but Geraldo, such a great comic. I mean, mm-hmm. literally. When when he died, I was like, 
well, that is a fucking waste because yeah. it was it was like Hedberg, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I never wanted to sleep with Hedberg either because he was funnier <laughs> than I was. And, uh, but Hedberg was was the same kind of thing where you're like, and also a, um, a sweetheart, mm-hmm. you know, a super, super sweet guy. And, um, and Greg was always very nice to me. And what I liked about him when even drunk, he wasn't a mean drunk. He was because the second time he was hammered the whole time. And he the, was the just, second time in the, at, at the mall, of, at yeah. Nuttheads. The second time I worked with him, and he was he was very drunk, and I was like, and he just looked at me, and I don't know that he remembered me because you know it's hard when you right. work with somebody because I don't remember all the features. I mean, it's hard. There's too many comics, right? So um, I remembered him because you remember you usually you know as you come up you sure. remember the headliners, and um, like I, I've worked with uh, Chris Titus mm-hmm. three times. Uh, nice to meet you every time. Every time. Well, and I do that to people too, but my favorite thing was about a year and a half ago, I I did a set of flappers. He came up to me from the audience. He was like, who are you? You're great. And I was like, thank you. Thank you very much. In other news. Uh, Here's a picture of us from seven years ago. <laughs> we worked at Knuckleheads and then we worked at uh, uh, the Punchline in Sacramento. So good. whatever happens, man. In 2003. So what... Um, so so he never did get divorced his wife um and kids well he the, the when he was 23 oh, or right, right. That. but the second but the him second and his one, kids they they were separated and he yeah. and he, he moved out of the house first, no no not his first, first wife, wife. Yeah. he had three with uh, his second the, right. the longest tenured and she had to kick him out of the house yeah um and that and and we we talked with her uh, she was one of the initial interviews we did and that was so important for me because that's amazing that she was willing to do that. I, I, I have, I can't Very have grateful. more respect yeah. for her. And, and that was so eye opening for me, Jackie, because it showed how selfish in, in a way a lot of us fans or just, I'll call them people in the comedy community are like, I was upset that I, I wasn't going to see his next joke about right George Bush or who knows what, right, you know, right. or whatever, or what, the whatever, new, the new whatever it was. Sitch. And then, I talked to this woman and they're like, oh yeah, you have three kids. Right. Who are never going to get to know their dad. And, 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 yeah. and you can't, I mean, she had to, I'm sure she mourned, mm-hmm. but in the more, in the grieving process, she also has to, you know, make lunches, <laughs> get her kids to school, yeah. you know, do all the everyday stuff that, of, parent- that, of, of parenting. single parenting. And, and all of us are like, oh, what a genius. And, and, you know, she's clearly loved him, yeah. but that genius was also, making their life so hard because right. of, because and and I don't want to say well he just shouldn't have drank I mean he had depression issues that he was self-medicating very poorly you know and but, to say someone shouldn't drink best of luck well, yeah, yeah, I you mean, know you really shouldn't put that in your body it, it, it turns it's, out it's you, bad for you yeah. you have an illness right, and I'm right. so sorry <laughs> that you can't cure it yourself and um but you can't cure it yourself so he was he was kind of fucked but so they got married um yeah, in 95. you know what this is. Yeah. We could just totally gossip about his <laughs> marriage because I have always wondered about him, her. Because uh, when I first met him, he was he was very nice about her. He was just like she was great. I he had gotten his first development deal, mm-hmm. and he said he blew all the money in Vegas. Oh, and three fifty grand. He blew fifty thousand dollars in a weekend in Las Vegas, and he finally ended up. Did he gamble his, at all, or was it all on it drugs? Was, it was all of it. It was gambling, oh, okay. drugs, women, just, what, what just, have you? Vice uh, of your choice. All the things of Las Vegas. Right. And uh, he said that he checked his messages finally, and there was a message from her 
There were several messages from her, but the last one said, if you don't call me, I'm taking our children and you're never seeing them. And so that's what had sobered him up that when I first met him. It's just fear, right? Yeah. Just fear had sobered him up. He was white knuckle, like holding on for dear life to try to keep his family and to keep his, you know, and, but not able for some reason to get sober more than that, right? I mean, for some reason. It yeah, I mean, he, take- he could be so, and, and this is the, the sad part of it. Like you can be sober 99% of the time and go off the wagon that one day and, and that's the end of you. And, and, and I'm not saying he was sober 99%, but from when he met Marianne, it was how did she how did they meet do you know uh, yeah she she um she worked at caroline's she she worked she worked in, in saturday night live in the cue card department she okay. had a moonlighting gig serving drinks okay and uh she was also latin and okay. so they she just came back from spain she worked at the 92 barcelona olympics so they had a little bit more to talk about she's i think she spoke spanish too right. so he, they, he was he was not italian what the hell no was no he? he's um <laughs> colombian and spanish thank god okay so it'd be like me <laughs> saying goodness. it was like fred armison's italian isn't he yeah. no he's not anyway so uh but the um so yeah so she they, they met uh you know he was gigging there yeah and also they they we're New Yorkers, yeah. and so they they had more in common than just you work at a comedy club. I'm a comic. Well, and the <laughs> thing is, is is you meet people. How many people meet everybody at work anyway? Right. You know? So I mean, it's hard to. It's why there's those rules of how you can't actually harass people at work, <laughs> and so that and uh, I think you gotta you gotta go gently into that dark. You have to night. go gently. Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, do you want to date as people? Uh, I know we work together. I mean, you have to say those words, and then they're like, yeah, yeah, I totally do. <laughs> and then you dash off and you do whatever you want to do because you're both adults. Exactly. Uh, so, but that's how they met. She worked at Caroline's. Yeah, that's neat. And, but and she didn't do stand up. No, or and no. I mean, she was a designer or is okay. a designer, and uh, and and so I mean, she was tangentially in the entertainment field, but right, right. not not in a way that was competing with them. And also, she seems very like strong and not one to just be like oh my god he has cute eyes like oh like, right you know so i like think she fell in love with the co- i mean she had seen plenty of comedy is oh, what i'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 at a point you know not to date comics so and i'm sure he got hit on by a lot of waitresses or whatever but i think it was, oh, sure it be, because it was a little more hard to get and there was some substance there on both sides that that actually resulted in a in a, a a, a, a relationship, relationship. Yeah. And, and also I think because she was so strong she could call him out on some of his shit now that doesn't mean you can quote unquote fix someone who no. has that but, but it she also could take mean, care of herself enough exactly and like you said Jackie she would be the one to say like if you don't do this I'm gonna take our kids and actually mean right. it whereas right. like if it was you know just some groupie yeah then be, oh you, you, you do you you know yeah. right right like if yeah just to sort of and it's kind of amazing you know, that's, that actually is, that's lovely that they had that kind of relationship because it's, you always, because you fear when somebody gets success, especially, mm-hmm. um, like, when did they marry? 95. In 95. So, and then, and then he passed in 2008 or nine, you said? Or uh, 2009. Nine? Yeah. And so, all right. So 15 years. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. They, they, I'm sorry. They married in 99. Okay. Um, they met, uh, they met around, um, sorry. Cause that was. He got so sober for the first time in right. 2005, so that's okay. really confusing. It was 99, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. So, and then, oh, so they were together 10 years. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they both did the best they could, and they just, it just didn't, didn't go. That, um, so the kids, the oldest can't be more than t- 10 when he passes. Right. Yeah. And now that kid's 20. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, and, and, and they're doing well. Uh, I mean, I, I got to interview Marianne a few times, and, 
they're her priority. Sure. Understandably. Yeah. But, you know, they're very proud of. Yeah, they're of, proud what, of you his know, work. And, and, and they focus, and, and it, not in like a naive way, like he was a saint and, and no one who knew him will ever call him a saint. But he did some amazing <laughs> I can't things. can't imagine he'd call himself a yeah. saint. Yeah. <laughs> and, and his love for his kids, that everyone, everyone who knew that they yeah. always brought that up. And that was pretty cool because. And her, quite honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was weird. Him, the whole thing about him talking about screwing around on his wife when he so clearly respected her, but not in any sort of actions. But uh, but he so clearly respected her and loved his children so much, loved and respected all of those people that were his immediate family. Um, it was it was lovely to see that, and it was I think, you know, I it's not it's not bad company, you know, mm-hmm. the, because but there are. The people, both men and women, uh, but I have mostly met men, uh, who have who will encourage you to screw around. They're yeah. just like, well, you're not th- there. I mean, I worked three – the first three years I was on the road, I never met a male comic who didn't cheat on his wife. Wow. And when I did, I literally called someone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll never guess what this. I just found out. There's he went named, home and he slept by himself. Yeah. Fred to- Klett, you guys. He'd have a beer and a half and then he'd head back to the hotel. And uh, it was amazing. Like he must be gay. <laughs> and uh, But his wife was, was very beautiful and he had a couple of kids and he was a, a nice man. And he was also genuinely really funny. So I was like, what are, You're who, a unicorn, who are you? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> a, it's a, it was a delight. And I've since met many male comics who do not cheat on their spouses, uh, just so we all know. Okay, the record but, uh, states. Yeah. The record states that uh, it's a numbers game, <laughs> and I've met thousands and thousands of men. So, uh, and, and four of them have not cheated on their wives. And plenty of them yeah. are, uh, are decent. <laughs> plenty of them. So, uh, but, but there are still plenty of dudes who will encourage you not to be. Sure. Right? Just because they're pieces of shit. And, and they want like, other pe- pieces of yeah, shit around them. Right. They, they would better. like some misery would enjoy some company. And... Um, and I think that he did fall into a little bit of that, you know, because it's, it was, like, I, so when did he start doing stand up? Uh, this is fascinating. Yeah, we're 90, not talking about anything else. Nineteen ninety three. Okay, in ninety three. Yeah, because so. he graduated from law school in ninety two, and then he was working at this law firm in, in New York City, and that's really where he started doing open mics that that first year because he's like. Lawyer work sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is the the book. By the way, is called Greg, Greg Giraldo, a comedian story. And I'm talking, I'm talking with uh, Matt Balaker. That sounds very Terry Gross. <laughs> I like it. And uh, but it, you know what's interesting is that this book is entirely um, words. There's no there's no that center spot that oh, has it, all, all those all pictures. You, um, fast forward near the end. There are there, uh, or, there's sorry, pictures. Yeah, there's about fifteen of them. Okay, in, there's in, there's pictures, but you know how like sometimes in the middle of like a a biography there'll be the glossy. <laughs> shots in the middle uh this um so is it broken into uh yeah it is let's look at some get, may i of course it's, uh, that's your, your right. book uh, so all right so there's 13 chapters well and 10, i mean of a sort right yeah yeah so i mean there's a forward by colin quinn there's an introduction, there's some notes, and there's some photography. Um, so the notes, that makes me think Wayne Jones was at work. Wayne Jones was very hard at work. And, and hopefully <laughs> no one will sue us because we documented freaking – that took almost seven months, just the documentation part of well, it. Well, that's amazing, though. Such a pain in the ass. Yeah. So everyone out there, even if you don't read the story, uh, please review the end notes. There's a lot oh, of work. Oh, right. Please. There's a lot of sources, you guys. A lot of work <laughs> went into that. <laughs> These sources and, are amazing. So, I mean, the thing is, so you've got – 
you know, um, like sort of. It's yeah. sort of by by topic. Like it's there's to- like and, the early days and linear, and linear, yeah, and, and and super like the smart kid goes to how he's remembered. So this type of thing, and um, it feels like that you're th- this is the th- you interviewed how many people about 70 okay so and you- then there were we there's at least that many sources you know right. that, from like articles or online oh, r- clips or oh right right just just yeah what what has already been documented right right so you talked to 70 people and then you also docu- took took the stuff that was already available absolutely and quoted that as well so mm-hmm. that's fascinating and then did you quote his act at all yeah Okay, because there's a book, I don't know if it's on the shelf, but Stuart Lee, uh, do you know him? He's a y- no. UK comedian. If you like Gert Geraldo, you would like Stuart, Stuart Lee. Lee. Okay, yeah. I'll Stuart check him Lee out. is like if Andy Kindler and Bill Hicks were one person. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it is, um, his stand-up is more like Hicks. Yeah. But he's more, he can be super meta like Kindler. Okay. So it is, and his book it was about when he he stopped doing stand up for a couple of years and it was him coming back in the first and he transcribes the first 2 hours of his stand up uh-huh. with annotations and it is fascinating i was like this you have balls the size of gibraltar <laughs> it is outstanding but if you look up stuart lee and stuart with a w lee l e Stu- stuart lee yeah he is uh he's delightful and um he's a british comic and uh but the so and, yeah, and, you ask. There, there, there are excerpts from his, his comedy, and because we, we, he's the central character of the story, and that was a, a a little bit of a challenge, Jackie. Because at first, especially with the comics, it's always like their interactions with Greg. So it's kind of a story of someone meeting Greg, and then we had to right. kind of oh no, tease like out every the story I have <laughs> about Greg isn't about Greg. Yeah. it's about me meeting Greg. Right. <laughs> Right, you're like, allow me to put this through a strainer and find the actual information about Greg. That, uh, what year were we talking about? Where was he? Oh, interesting, interesting. So that's fascinating. And then um, what What about his parents? Are his parents still alive? Let's, his, his let's mother, really invade his, his No, no, his mother is, as far as I know, at least when, yeah. I, when I was writing did, this did book. Did he have siblings? He has, he has two siblings. Okay. Um, and his father passed away in 2002 okay. from esophageal cancer. Okay. But they were very close. In fact, uh, when he, Greg had a sitcom, uh, short-lived, but it was in 96, it was when it aired, called The Common Law. Yeah. And the father figure in that was largely based off Greg's dad, Alfonso. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was... Um, that was uh, one of his development checks. That, that's mm-hmm. what he was talking about. So uh, how many episodes was Common Law? Uh, I think like it six? aired four. Like the okay. pilot and three episodes or may- maybe two. Right. I think they filmed 13. Oh, did they? But the, most didn't air. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if you could get the DVD. Yeah. I, and I have. And you have the DVD. I, I, but I, there's some that are just lost. But uh, one of the actors... Uh, Provided some, and she she lost a bit. Okay. And then I went to UCLA's um, film archive yeah. and, and watched some there. the The pilot was, I you know, objectively good. You know, right. what I mean, ninety sitcoms. I'll so. say like because it aired with a uh, news radio. Um, okay. And then there was that show with Michael J. Fox, um, Spin City. Spin City. And 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 I thought Spin City <laughs> was my funny. first spec. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it was. Right along with those, and, and, and the other shows lasted decades, yeah. and this one didn't. Uh, you know, as I watched more of them, 
you know, I'm, I'm no TV critic, but I yeah. thought the writing kind of suffered as the, the series went on. So, oh, really? So may, maybe they pushed all the good stuff at the beginning. But also, this was at the time uh, when Disney had purchased ABC. Okay. And so there was like this regime change. So the people that Always. started the show had no gone. vested interest in it. They're like, yeah. I didn't do this. Get the hell off of the air. Yeah, so. yeah. Who knows a, why why it didn't last? It's a classic um, problem that uh, that you learn about in show business is that when when there is a shakeup at any level, um, projects that were in process usually get abandoned mm-hmm. because um, whoever takes over doesn't care, <laughs> right, and right. they're like, "This isn't something I ever wanted to do." Hmm, they're gone. And then even and, if it did well, it seems like you could still benefit. But they're like, "No, the ego no, is too strong. Too like, strong. <laughs> it's uh, I, I can't possibly continue this." And so you're like, okay, well, that's fine. But um, but he, he that was his only like sitcom. He had holding deals. He had development deals pretty yeah. much annually. Um, and, and as you know, he was on with Andy Kindler on Last Comic Standing. Yes. But his TV, I mean, if after doing the research, I was like, he has a pretty impressive TV resume, but not really for someone with his talent. Right. Well, it's a classic, it's a classic example of sometimes the, the, Industry doesn't know what to do with you, and and uh, well said. Yeah. Mitch Hedberg used to do that joke about how you know you spend fifteen years learning how to do stand up comedy, and they're like, "Oh, can you act?" And um, you're like, "Maybe." And uh, it'd be like if someone was had spent fifteen years studying to be a chef, and they're like, "What we'd really want you to do is become a farmer." <laughs> Can and you? You're like, it, you're like, how are your uh, planting skills? Sort sort of sort of adjacent. Um, <laughs> I can try, and um, and so yeah. So it, it that is. I did not actually know that Kindler and um, Geraldo were on an episode, a season of Last Comic. Yeah, they they were judges. Uh, oh, they were those judges two with, with Natasha Legero. In fact, oh, Legero. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and that, that was would a, have been like fourth or fifth season. Okay. I think it was the seventh, but I'll check okay. my notes. But it, it wasn't sequential. Uh, the show had. I went, didn't remember went Greg some... was a was a was a judge. I remember Andy being a judge. Did Andy just talk over him? Or uh, I don't. No, I, well, I, I stopped... remember when he was a judge. I didn't watch it. I the... did uh, season two, three, and four. Okay. Um, every year they would tell me that. Um, I was going to make the top 10. And then every year I would not make the top 10. And, uh, so someone in showbiz was disingenuous to you, There Jackie. was some Is sort of disingenuousness what? going in on. In this it's city? shocking that someone might lie to a person who was working for them. What? I know it. Um, and I think that uh, the level that I was getting lied at, they were like, maybe it'll work. <laughs> yeah. I hope it works. We did it last year. Just we do it again. It. Right. And, and then, you know, it sort of came out that I just wasn't nuts enough. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Well, you should have told me. I would have acted more crazy. You weren't there for the reality show component. Right. I needed, uh, they needed more insanity. And I was like, oh, shit. You were a well-versed stand-up and they, they wanted no, nothing. They wanted no, no part of that. It was when I was, there was a very, very new comic. It was the third year that I did it. And they asked me to do it again the following year. And I was like, oh, no, we're done. When I'm standing next to Esther Koo and you pick her for the 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 thing and not me and it's not that Esther, Esther Koo isn't a perfectly good comic right but she was so new at the time that she wasn't that great a comic <laughs> um she's a better comic now than she was then for sure and uh but I was like oh no 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 I'm I'm done now <laughs> and uh <laughs> so I just fucked off that's yeah Geraldo yeah. had a funny roast joke about Rich Voss 
Oh, uh, yeah? And it was before he did last comic, but he said something like, Rich Voss shows after 20 years of doing stand-up, you can beat out four open micers for a spot on the most degrading show in the history of television. <laughs> right. It's And it's... Uh, I think I liked my favorite uh, tough crowd comment, I think, was Lisa Lampanelli sitting next to Voss and going, I love how you pretend that you're not 50. <laughs> yeah, put and, another ring in your ear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something, something we'll forget like you're that, not right? 60. Or yeah, something yeah. Like that. that was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Did you end up watching most of the tough crowds for this or just in general? Because In were, general, yeah. Because you general. were a giant fan. In the, I was a fan of tough crowd. I was a fan of, of Greg's. And then I... I Enjoyed the roasts. Yeah. That wasn't my... Fi- I mean, and I loved his performances on there. That wasn't my favorite version of him. Okay. But it was very good. Right. So How many it, albums does he have? Two. He only has two only, albums? And only one was... They had Good Day to Cross a River, which yeah. I think was a half hour. And then uh, Midlife Vices, which he filmed shortly before his death. Which, I... n- if you watch it now, yeah. it's, there's, it's, it has a, it's very foreshadowing. Oh, I'm sure. Well, it's and it's so. Um, that's actually uh, sound exchange money wise devastating for his family because uh, <laughs> of the passive income that is uh, radio play. Yeah, of all of his bits would have been awesome. Well, they're they're still out there. To to my knowledge, the the family does get some benefit from. Sure, they from, do, but yeah. only two albums worth, as yeah, opposed to because I true. have four albums. And oh, um, by by today's standards, he'd, he'd have nineteen Netflix specials this year. I think right, that, and and granted, Netflix would take all of that money. Oh my, yeah, yeah, but uh, maybe not because he would might be able to negotiate a better deal because of who he was. And um, but the, for the most part, everybody, all the new comics who have Netflix specials. It's a buyout, right. and they never see another dime. And then they <laughs> rip them into um, CDs, and then they sell them to Sirius, and then they get all the residual money. So the whole thing is a bit of a debacle. Okay. Um, financially, just for the artist. Yeah. It's all working out for Netflix. Sure. Um, <laughs> just in case you were worried about Netflix <laughs> making their nut. I was. I was concerned. <laughs> they're, they're day-to-day. So are there other – like, is this the first book you've written? It is, yeah. Uh, That's a trip. You're like, I want to write a book. I was editor in chief of my high school newspaper, or one so of so was that, I, that meant that's I, not I could write a book in, in in my mind. So it was it was a classic case of ignorance is bliss. I was <laughs> like, I can. I've done comedy for ten years while while, while doing novel. Why not? Uh, that's funny. Uh, that. Then, you know, if I hadn't been editor-in-chief of my uh, school newspaper, I might have fallen for that. <laughs> because the thing is, is that is the kind of thing you would like, lie I was yourself. a journalist, and I think I just, half the people on the paper were editors-in-chief. So. <laughs> it was, well, the task itself, I would say that uh, my advisor was uh-huh. more the editor-in-chief. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I did what I could, but sure. uh, it was... Whatever. <laughs> so, but but that's your. Fr- but the fact is, is you published it, and how yeah. long did it take to? You know, just quick. Five years later, we're quick. done. Well, no. I mean, the thing is, is is you want it to be good, right? Yeah. And, and because it was a Kickstarter campaign, Jackie, I think a good piece of it advice is uh, public humiliation can work. Oh, really? Because when I when I said that, you know, however many it was like sixty nine, seventy people backed it, but to those people, yeah, if I didn't finish it. I, I would have just been oh, this a-hole. The you know, yeah, there's like, oh, but you said, and I gave you $14. So right. if you renege on this. <laughs> and uh, so that, that pushed me through. And also having a writing partner like Wayne, uh, it's With- not a linear process. It's not like, okay, one month we'll do a chapter. It's like, right. 
you know, you realize, okay, so, some areas are kind of thin. And then a month or two before we thought we were publishing, we get a call from his old frat brother. Oh. And then there's like this whole new slew of content. And then that leads us to a rabbit hole of someone yeah, who's yeah. in a band with him. I was like, well, I want to hear about his, him being in a band. Right. Of course I got. And then there's a new girlfriend from high school. And it's like, what? But we were yeah. trying to get this, you Which know, we're trying to, we're, be we're trying to finish it. And, and all this stuff would happen. Oh, that's awesome. So what did it, did it delay some of the publication? Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the end, we thought we, <laughs> we put out the book that we wanted to put out instead of uh, being right. slave to when it, when it was told, said that it was going to come out. And, and I think I said, you know, after the Kickstarter a year and I had no frame of reference. I was like, that sounds about first right. Kickstarter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like yeah, I'll, I'll, right. Maybe I'll take 13 months, but it'll be pretty much a year. Right. <laughs> Right, because you're you're a hardworking guy, right? Yeah. You're like, oh no, I can knock this. Yeah, out. yeah. It's uh, so. So, who did the editing? A couple people, um, right? Because because you need to have that was such an important part. It's such an important part of any book oh where you God. need feedback and you need yeah clarity. In fact, may because uh, I wrote we went through a, a few editors and some you know it's kind of an example of you get what you pay for. Yeah. Um, but uh, Dorothea Halliday, yeah, uh, and and uh, Cheryl Homburg did proofreading. But Dorothea, we gave her the first draft probably two or three years before it was done. Yeah, and it was so quote heavy, and she didn't, she wasn't a fan of Greg, and, and not, okay. she just didn't know him, right? And, and she tore it apart. She's like, "This looks like an outline. It's not a book." Oh, there you go. You know, um, but she's like, "Here, you know." Luckily, it, you had been doing stand-up, and you're like, oh, Jesus, okay, I can yeah, take horrible feedback. That I'm used I, to I it. I can hear it. I can um, hear how bad you didn't like this. <laughs> but, but then that was what I, that was what we needed. But with, without that, it was good to have someone who wasn't like a comedy nerd yeah. giving... Just not, someone who... That was her job. That was her job, and she was so good at it. And it, 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 I mean, there's a lot to be discouraged about as a, as a creator, yeah. whether you're a comic or writer or painter. But today... There's so much do-it-yourself. Like I, I actually got in touch with her through an author named Jeff Benedict. My sister-in-law created a movie called Little Pink House Plug. There you that go. That was a book that Jeff Benedict wrote. Okay. And, but so she was his uh, editor. Okay. But there, there are people like her. Yep. That are on all these websites where if you know go if you need an ba- editor. basically just say I'm looking for an editor and you'll find someone who can do cover art. Yeah. Um Dan Dion, he's he's a pretty famous comedy Dion. photographer. He he took the picture of Greg. Right. So it's like one thing will lead to the next. So it is it's kind of like this democratization of creative people. Yeah. So it won't happen as it's fast as you want. Yeah. It won't be as cheap as you want, but there are far fewer barriers to entry than there were fifteen years ago. Right. And so but that doesn't mean you can skip a lot of the steps. Like you could just put something on paper, put it on Amazon, and it'll be crap. Right. But if you have someone like Dorothy Halliday, tell, you know, and, and pay what they're worth, uh, your, your final product... If you do it right. You can, but you, you can It'll, do it right yeah. nowadays. You can do it, you, you can do it right. Because there used to be this vilification of self-publishing, that <laughs> you were some sort of amateur, and that right. it was a desperate move, because you couldn't get a publisher. Absolutely. But now... What you're saying is that you can do it right, and if you pay people fair, it can look like it. It, it can be a real piece of work. It right. can be an actual piece of art. And, or... and these people, like Dorothea, she teaches somewhere at some college, I think. So, like, 
there are all these people who at night are different, doing different things, yeah. you know, because uh, we have this insatiable need to, to have meaning. Yeah. And, and, well. and, 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 and when you team up with people, uh, it's really exciting because, you know, I, I didn't know much about how to document this stuff. Yeah. Wayne Jones did. I would not have cared at all, Jackie, three years right. ago, but, but now I do, you know, right. uh, but it's, it's like when you, when you start it, it's, it's it's exciting to see all of a sudden these people come to you or you right. find them, but you find them because you're pushing a project forward. Right, right. That's great. Now, are you going to write another book? Do you think, or, or probably you know after this is made into a uh, hundred million dollar movie? Oh, interesting biopic. Uh, yeah, uh, we're looking for the the Elton John well, biopic. I mean, of there's there's Rick enough Geraldo. dying comedians to keep me busy for a while. I think. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of dying comedians. You can go. Uh, you can go live. Yeah. Is there? Are there? Is there anybody? <laughs> is there anybody? Who Who are the other comics that you? I mean, he is a very unique voice. In Patrice O'Neill is one I would love to write a book about. Um, however, Bill Burr is apparently doing a documentary on him. Okay. And I think it'll be fascinating. <laughs> so I literally never met Patrice, never uh-huh. saw his long set, have only seen 10 minute clips of his act. And, um, but people love and he loved that fuck. Yeah. I'm like, he's all right. Yeah. But I'm clearly missing something or I'm not and he's not for me. But yeah, that, but I, that's I, there's plenty of that too. You I, know? I, I didn't know as much about his stand up. I just think he's an interesting story. And I think a lot of it is the dying young of diabetes <laughs> versus like drugs. Drug and, you know, so okay. there's, there's some but um the the comedy seller to me is a fascinating kind of microcosm of comedic history. Okay. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I mean, a story that I, I would like to hear you, told is the history of the comedy cellar. Where did you grow up? Uh, San Diego County. Okay. Because um, it's so Carlsbad, funny. Carlsbad, to be exact. But, uh, but. Sure. There's a small theater that yeah. uh, that uh, sometimes does stand up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, the, um, the doing a, doing any sort of, like to pick a comedy club and to try to do the history of it and to talk about who came out of it. You know, like there's, there's people who like the Holy city zoo in, <laughs> in um, San Francisco mm-hmm. with uh, um, all those like Robin Williams and, and all those guys came out of that uh, Dana Carvey and, and whatever. But, uh, but Red if you Proops, go probably, well later it would okay. have been, it would have been Proops and Dana Gould and all those guys. But, um, and then also Kill Martin and Sue Murphy and uh, a thousand women comics that nobody ever fucking mentions. <laughs> but there was like, have you seen that? Did you uh, read that uh, Clifterhoff or whatever his name was? The history of stand of comedy. No, there's a, a the book uh, looked fascinating. I I cherry picked it because uh-huh. there's only so much stand up comedy I can I can. Carry. Right, right, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 dipped. I'm in. It's, uh, you can get your fill really quickly. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. But he did a history of stand up comedy book, uh-huh. and um, he he mentioned like Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. That was it. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> Phyllis Diller, maybe. Uh, but you're like, wow, hey man. Uh, that's it yeah. shit although um, Joan Rivers is a great one but yeah she's not the only uh, she's not the only pillar that uh, the thing is is if you were building essentially he was writing the history of Jewish male stand-up okay. comics it's, maybe they need to re- revise the title yeah because yeah, it was just it was it, it was only dudes mm-hmm. and it was and it was and it wasn't even some of it kind of fell by the wayside in the fact I think he called Jerry Lewis a stand-up comic oh okay and you're like uh, what uh, I don't know, but uh, the but that 
again, so in so much of stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. many things are not for me. They right. weren't created for me. They don't even want me there. Same here. They would I get, like yeah. me to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, I, they don't even want me in the green room unless I'm willing to listen to fisting jokes. <laughs> They're like, if you're going to stay, don't like, be a bitch. Yeah. Don't be a bitch you about didn't, it. You just didn't like laugh. my gaping joke? That was, it that was, was a, clever. You're a gash. Just get the fuck out of the way. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Okay, I just want to go out to breakfast. Is that all right? It's like, you can come out to breakfast if you sit on my face. Club yeah. owner said that to me. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. In other news... Where are we going to breakfast? <laughs> and uh, I'm not sitting in your face. Let's just go fucking. I just want to hang. I want to get work. Can I please just work for a living, you piece of shit? And uh, so, but it's it's it was. Um, but to write those books is it's fascinating. It would be nice if. Um, but you got to write about like someone like because Geraldo was very much a very unique voice. I yeah. thought, and, and it would have been boring if it was just stand up. Like when I get home, I don't know if you're this way. Like I don't watch much stand up. No, uh, I know, see a lot of I, when I'm at I, shows. I'm right. I, I see a lot I of live stand up. <laughs> yeah, that, but a lot. What uh, what interested me about his life was the non stand up part, oh, like the, Harvard, the, 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 the leaving a, a, a white collar career, yeah. the being married and trying to be a comedian, the having right. mental issues, having addiction problems, trying right. to work it all out. You know. Trying to be a good dad and and having the the insecurity where you where you're around someone like Jim Gaffigan who blows up and you're like, oh, good for him, you know? Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's not yeah there's that whole I mean there's just the entire generation of guys who came up with Drew Carey, right. uh, who are furious, ah. is uh, epic. You run into them all the time. They're dudes that are 55 years old that are sure. like, I don't understand why Drew Carey got We were famous. just there. We are neck and neck. Yeah. Right. We're, and you're like, well, some of it is just being in the right place at the right time. And other parts of it, he was more likable than you. Right. <laughs> certainly. He might have point. sat on the club owner's face. <laughs> he might have. and But he was he was certainly, he's certainly more likable than you right now. <laughs> there's nothing more unattractive than bitterness, right? Oh, God. It, it's and, like a disease, yeah. And it's and it's something you genuinely have to fight in stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. probably in, in plumbing, you know, and like in every industry where if you don't want to be mad at other yeah. people getting, getting things that you don't get. Yeah. And they're, there are real reasons. I mean, if you're a black gay comic, there's a freak show that you can get on once a month in right. Los Angeles. Uh, so y- there's a reason to be angry. <laughs> but the thing is, is it's not going to propel your career any faster if you dwell in that anger. It's one of the most amazing things I've seen is is black comics, gay, whatever. I mean, people of color, right? Yeah. Just any comic who isn't a straight white guy, mm-hmm. who isn't angry. And who uh, I have, I have friends, I have black friends who are, who's, they're like, you have to spend a fair amount of your time. And they aren't comics. They're just like, you have to spend a fair amount of your time as a black person making sure you're happy because Uh they don't want you to be happy. Right. Fuck those people. I'm going to be happy. Watch me work very, very hard to be happy. Absolutely. And it's, it's such a fascinating thing watching. That reminds, like Natasha. Legero? Yeah. She mentioned that. She knows of maybe two comics who are happy, and obviously it was t- somewhat tongue in cheek. But we, right, right, she's we, riffing. We have a chapter dedicated to that, and uh, you know, you, you, I don't know you personally, but everyone only says nice things about you, Jackie. <laughs> well, that's nice. A- and it, you seem like some, like if I had to give an example of like someone who's is, is happy in comedy. Yeah, I would point to you. Like, uh, how how would you characterize? Like, do you, are think- you happy in spite of comedy? Are you are you not happy? Are you like how would you well, answer that? That it, I mean, I think it's a great illusion 
that you have to not be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do stand-up comedy or to do art in any way, shape, or form. And you have to be this drunk. I mean, think about George Carlin. Mm-hmm. That guy died of old age. Yeah. In his bed. Like a person. <laughs> like right? A not human like, effing being. Not, yeah. yeah. Not like not like the the genius that is George Carlin. Yeah. Who, not with a syringe in his arm. Or right. Like that everybody was like, hey, that guy was a genius. Of course he died young. And you're like, that guy was a genius uh, according. And Carlin's very funny. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, he's not. I've hit and miss for me. But yeah. everybody's <laughs> almost hit. I'm hit and miss for I, me. So what are you going to do? I mean, do? no one... Bats a th- you know, one hits the ball every time you're, right. you're gonna it's, have some misses. Like. Yeah, it's the way it goes. And but the um, but it you you can be happy. And and that thing that my my friend who's black said that to me. I had three friends right after the the last election, mm-hmm. the presidential election, who said because I was like, "What do you do? What do you yeah. do now? I'm scared." And they're like, "Well, they want you scared, and they want you to not be happy." And you could say. And I had club owners, the, the the guy who owned the comedy club scene in Minneapolis in 1990, when I moved there, was a guy named Scott Hansen. He had mm-hmm. five comedy clubs. Uh, seven at one point, I think. Wow. Uh, and he genuinely, bit of a monster. Oh. Like, would pit comics against each other. And um, would try to make them, it was a competitive, he created a p- competitive atmosphere that wasn't real. Okay. That didn't benefit anyone. He'd but be him a great re- reality show producer. Right, right, yeah. exactly. He was just trying to create drama because he was bored and he could. Mm-hmm. And um, and so if you fall for that, and you do when you're very young, but you have to learn that lesson, the lesson of it takes some work to because you're not going to be happy all the time, right? I mean, sometimes you're going to be. That's not human nature, they, <laughs> right? Please do not expect it. Clearly, yeah. nobody's. But you can um, make sure that you take care of yourself enough that you do like hang around with people you love. Like there are plenty of male comics and female comics that I don't hang out with, and I call those people my work friends. Right? Uh, they're your colleagues, them, right? I don't invite them over the house. Right? They're they're fun enough to hang out with and to and to riff with and to and, and then you leave, and then they go do and, and if they're grouches or if they're super mean, they go do their grouchy mean thing. Sure. And then I go home and hang out with my husband, who is a delight. He uh, is not always in a good mood either. None of what? us are. Not 100% of the time he's not right. happy? He's a game designer, but he has Weird. different interests. And we have a lovely, we have a good, you know, we're at the at the very least, it's one of my, I uh, used to have very, an old joke about how um, what I've learned about relationships is that you, you should be polite. <laughs> and one time I was on the phone and um, I hang up the phone and Andy Ashcraft, my husband, my loved one, said to me, you know, today, if you could be as polite as to me as you have were to that customer service person, I would appreciate that. And I was like, holy shit, you are not wrong. Yeah. Because uh, I was snippy and grouchy But that was so nice of right you there. to say that. Right. Like my reason, if my wife said, well, he wasn't. Well, I was, I was frustrated with the customer service person I was talking to because I was frustrated in general with, I think my life. And so as we hung up, he was like, you handle that really well. If I might say, if you could handle this that well, that'd be wonderful. (laughs) And, uh, and I was like, oh, oh, good point. (laughs) And, uh, and I can, and that's, that's a learned skill too, is to be able to hear the criticisms of your fellow humans. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So yeah, I am relatively happy and it's great. And cause when I'm not happy, I'm, I'm, I also have the benefit of not having, um, like clinical depression mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and, and need for, it helps. For drugs. <laughs> right. And, and when you're, but I've had therapy. Sure. And there's, there's times I think I, I would benefit from therapy again, but, um, so there's nothing wrong with any of that. And when it comes to your like creative output, do mm-hmm. you write better? Do you perform better when you're at a happy place or do I you, do, do you actually. take that angst and okay, you... it's weird. It's not, um, I, uh, we're so at an hour, but the okay. thing is, is I, I, I do write from a happy place because the jokes, if, if I wrote, there's probably an hour and a half of my material that's published mm-hmm. and, and more about my father. If I were, and initially those jokes started out as me very angry at my father. And then I processed that anger and I found you have to find, especially with your parents, what you love about them. You have to acknowledge that they are people, and if they are flawed people, they are flawed people. But there has to be something that is really good about them um, if you can find it. And if you can't find because the jokes that I make about my dad are genuinely from a place of love. He is sometimes a fucking moron. <laughs> and I would like to like, Ring his neck, just yeah. shake him and go... Yeah. You know what? You should call your son. How about that? Uh, guess who wants to hear from you? Uh, your great grandchildren. Uh, he's never met them. Uh, that is could be a point of contention. It could uh, be. It could be. I can if, see how someone might, might be create mad some about angst. That. Yeah, yeah, some people might be a little disappointed, but he doesn't give a shit. Uh-huh. And but he will also tell you he doesn't. He's like, I don't wish anybody ill, but I don't care. Uh-huh. I hope it all works out for them. And I was like, Yeah, you're not good at this, Dan. <laughs> So fair enough. Uh, he's like, well, no, if they come and hang out with me, I'll hang out that with them. That is cool. Yeah. And you're like, I will oh, shut are, the door in their face. You are not good at this. And uh, but he knows, like, he knows my what my brother who lives right there in Milwaukee with him. He knows his those grandchildren. Mm. If they live in Milwaukee and he is still alive and they have children, he will meet those children and not hate them. Oh. He will not hate anybody. Yeah. I, that's one. That is one of the things I love about my father is that he literally wishes no one ill. That's a great trait. It's yeah. an amazing trait. He's just like, I hope it all works out. Uh, good luck. And then, and then he lives his life. So, but to to but to write from that place, mm-hmm. I could either be mad about that, and I have been, mm-hmm. uh, and write from this place of where this guy's a piece of shit. Let's all pitchforks and torches, mm-hmm. uh, or. This guy's a mess. I love him anyway. We could at least celebrate the fact that he does not wish anyone will <laughs> ill. <laughs> so yeah, what about you? How do, do what kind? How do you write? Do you write from the from the anger? Mm, I, I write much of it on stage, and I, I try to write from what entertains me on human interactions. Sure, and then personalize it. Yeah. Every now and again, there's something like when I very the first time I got. Picked up a mic. Uh, it was probably a year or so after I got dumped by like my first real girlfriend, and it was therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was just about that. And like I kind of feel like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's and it's it's, it's, it's so different from from where I am now. Like now, where what I write about is kind of being a pampered husband. Is mm-hmm. my my wife? She has a good job and she is sweet and yeah and stuff. So she's good people in so many ways. <laughs> like and but I'll still complain about silly sure. stuff. Like I I this. It ended up being a joke, but one day I was like, I missed my yoga class because the lawn furniture took too long to arrive today. 
And, and I was I was like upset. And then when I said it out loud and I was like, oh, there might be a bit there. So right. I try to just write from like yeah. things that entertain me. Well, that, I mean, I think that's true with books as well. Like when you write anything, the great thing about stand up is that you have to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you say something out loud, you can hear how either how dumb you sound <laughs> or how dumb somebody else sounds and or how the disconnect or how it how you hear how it sounds when you say something out loud i always tell people who are writing anything mm-hmm. like fiction or an article something they're submitting uh like uh, if you have an assignment for school read it out loud you will hear oh yeah you will hear where the <laughs> where the commas should go mm-hmm. you will hear the phrasing problems you will hear all of the errors or at least it's an excellent pass. It's, it's an, a great, it's, excellent, yeah. Like if you write your shitty first draft and then you read aloud your shitty first draft, you will have a better second draft mm-hmm. than if you just wrote it. Yeah. If you just rewrote it. If you if you read it out loud and made notes as you read it, you could correct things that you wouldn't hear because you won't see them because mm-hmm. you'll hear them. It's audible. And that's the great thing about stand-up. Uh, I have this to say, Matt Belliger, uh, this has gone by very much quicker. We didn't talk about prison shows. Uh, Next time. We didn't talk about the Lakers. Uh, There's no shows talking about Lakers I don't even know what academic layers, layers? No. Uh, Leagues. Oh, academic. academic, It's the nerdiest thing you can do in high school and very dory. It's like uh, Jeopardy for high school students who aren't good at sports. Rangers. Seriously, we're gonna have Matt Balaker back on. Yes. It's uh, at Greg Geraldo book uh, is the the name of everywhere it is. So if you go to gregdraldobook.com <laughs> and at G- Greg Geraldo book uh, for the Twitter feed, uh, you can find out more about Greg Geraldo than you've ever known. Uh, and feel free to find Greg Geraldo's uh, published works and listen to those because they're also wonderful. Absolutely. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me, Jackie. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat. My hat. My hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we. You. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?